All right, here we go. Today is June 27th. That's a Wednesday of 2018, and this is episode 220 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me today, as always, is Mr. Andrew Kellett. Good evening, Jerry. How are you, sir? I am much better. I'm, I'm upright today, so that's awesome. That's good. Were you not upright recently? Not upright yesterday. Oh. Yeah, so. Well, you got knocked down and you got back up again. That's right. Well, that's good. That's good. And, and you know, we, we're almost kind of week to week, except we're a little delayed. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of happens sometimes. <laughs> so just a reminder that the thoughts and opinions we express on the show are ours and do not represent those of our employers. And thank you again to our Patreon donors. You are amazing. Absolutely. You guys are awesome. Uh, so so um, I, I guess we're like uh, almost T plus one month from... GDPR day and I actually have not heard of anybody dying as a result of I am stunned I I actually was thinking we'd have like a casualty count by now I I, the the body count is very low I've not heard of anybody so anyway I I, I keep looking so you're you're telling me that our GDPR relief telethon with Jerry Lewis is is being canceled (laughs) I think think it may well delayed I mean all right indefinitely delayed yes I can't keep, you know, the Shriners small cycle guys on hold forever. At I some know, point, I know. we got to cut them loose. I get it. I get it. All right. So, um, so let's let's jump into some stories. And the the first story, um, I, I'm before I read you the title, I'm just gonna say, you know, when um when Ac- when when Aquifax had their big breach, I was thinking to myself, you know. At least the bad guys like didn't find out what religion I was and the names of my pets and how old my kids were. That's true. Right. However, um, that apparently that problem has been solved. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this company called um, Exactus. It's a, it's a marketing company. And apparently they um, very conveniently collected about two terabytes of uh, various information uh, uh, allegedly on about 340 million individuals, apparently all in the U.S., um, which includes things like your religion, um, you know, the things that you like to do, whether you, uh, they, they give the example of whether or not you like plus size clothes. So, so that's, um, yeah, you know, you pair, you pair that up with the Equifax data and like, you know, somebody, a bad guy or, or bad lady would know you better than you, I, I guess. So so the idea being I could go to this company and say, hey, tell me everybody in Georgia who's into plus size clothes and aviation. And they could spit out a report for me. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Targeted mm-hmm. marketing. That is, you know, it's very helpful if you're a marketer. Yeah. It, it's not so helpful for everybody else. Correct. Correct. So, um, so this apparently was, you know, one, another one of those exposed NoSQL databases. Uh, and very interestingly, it was not. It was not found by Chris Vickery. I, 
slacker. What's going I, on there? I, I know, I know. So, um, you know, I think I, I can only assume this. The person who found this one was like, you know, hold my beer. I <laughs> hold my Red Bull vodka, probably. <laughs> so. so and since you're you're shrinking on your host duties or shirking on your host duties, this is a Wired article. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Uh, marketing firms Exactus leaked a personal info database with 340 million records is the title. Yeah, so apparently the, uh, the, the the researcher here, his name is Vinny Troya, I think is how you would pronounce his last name, found it by um, trolling Shodan, of all things. Which is a common technique. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah. it basically says that he's probably not the first person to have right. found this. Um, and, and apparently Wired, um, you know, after he contacted Wired, Wired asked him to look up 10 people and they found he found details about uh, six of them. Uh, I don't know the detail, what was up with the other four. Um, so what what I was reading from, from this was that he was curious about finding openly accessible Elasticsearch databases correct and so that's what he was searching for and showdown was just hey show me publicly accessible Elasticsearch," and quickly stumbled across this one yep so just wide open hanging out in the wind yeah yeah i think he said that if he uh he, he found seven showdown returned seven thousand hits for elastic search and uh, one of them happened to be this thing so um I, you know, th- this seems to be like a sickness that is creeping across the IT industry of of um, exposing databases. Now, there wasn't any, I, I didn't see in here any reference to where it was hosted at, if, if this was a, you know, another AWS special or or not. There, there's, I assume it was probably at some cloud provider, but, you know, there's no mention of that. But, um, you know, it, look... If you are the guardian of, uh, you know, personal details of every every uh, citizen, or even, I mean, I'm gonna say even if half the citizens are of a country are in your database, you know, you probably need to think about you know, protecting it a little more. Maybe a firewall would would <laughs> would well, do. Right. I was thinking about how does this happen and how does it keep happening? And I, I'm betting it's some sort of project, some sort of dev group or marketing group or going, hey, we wanna, we've got this idea and we want to try this new service or whatever. We, we, need, we need to copy the database to play with for this new whatever. And it's all good intention. Mm-hmm. And then they go throw it out in some sort of public cloud and don't secure it properly. Don't even know they're not securing it properly. And then the next thing you know, somebody else finds it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the problem is this. I was thinking about this. Is how do you stop this? A- unless you have just a really, really like overbearing IT security group, which impedes a whole lot of functionality and progress and productivity. This looks like one of those little pernicious problems that I think is going to keep happening because you've got folks who are good intention and wanting, you know, have a valid reason to play with this data uh, who don't understand the consequence of what they're doing. And before you know it, that data is out leaked publicly. And it's not like there's a blinky box you can buy to stop this either. 
No, it's no, and true. it's not like you could find this by just scanning your own IP space from the outside or anything like that, because more than likely this is out in some random third party somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really struggling <laughs> with how you stop this, or at least you know make it a little harder. I, I guess you know have really tight controls on your production data is about the only thing I can come up with, and. I don't know how viable that is for a lot of organizations. I, I think you're right. Um, I, and and I, I think we have a clash of philosophies here, right? I mean, you know, because we're, we're trying to think about the, the control set to help this from the lens of kind of traditional IT. But traditional IT, as we just talked about, doesn't ex- extend, like it's fundamentally incompatible Right. With the way this stuff is happening, right? Because it's happening outside of your borders. Unless you can somehow magically see that somebody is, is moving your, your data, you know, out to some cloud provider, which, I mean, you know, I, if it's two terabytes, I'm going to guess they probably didn't upload that. Or, I mean, maybe they did, but. Start the upload, go home for the weekend. Yeah, I, I suppose that could be. Um, but. I mean. How, how do you think I upload all the movies of your mom? Oh, jeez. I knew you were going to go there. So did she. So, anyway. It's been a while. Come on. It's been a it, while. It has been a while since I've been disappointed in one of your jokes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, your mom was not disappointed last Okay, oh, I'll stop. Oh, I'll stop. Oh. So, I, just, it's... I know. I know. I get it. I get it. So did she. Okay, stop. All right. So, so... You know, to that point, though, I do know there's technology like let's say you're running a web proxy and that's the only way to get out. I've seen some technology from a couple of companies that will scrape your web proxy logs for somebody engaging with a cloud service. Right. Maybe that might kind of sort of maybe help. Yep. Yep. I don't know, but it still seems weak. I, I You know, ultimately, this is a people problem, right? And and I, I think. Um, so ban them and let AI, AI take over? Well, that that is the end game, right? But but we have, uh, you know, I think we have some time between now and when that can happen. So so I, I'm thinking, you know, a little smaller that the you know, the the teams who are want to do this, they need they need to understand the downsides. And and I don't, you know, I I guess if there's something that security teams ought to be doing it's raising awareness of uh, you know especially if if they're in a position where something like this might happen like you know i'm not a i'm not a huge proponent of of security training being a solution to you know technical problems but you know this seems like one where you, you know kind of raising awareness of of um so kind of basic hygiene stuff if people are going to are going to go off and and um, run science experiments on their own um you know like they they, they got to know what they minimally should be doing and now they can certainly choose not to do that and we i mean hey look you know the uh, this company may have had that going great and whoever did this just thumbed their nose at it and said you know screw those it guys they're always getting in my way <laughs> you know, it's, that firewall is just oppressive, and um, you know, and, and so here we are. I, I you know, this is a big. This is a 
a large and growing problem, especially as more and more companies are, you know, are, are, I mean, you know look, lots of companies are, are, are running around talking about how you know, data is the, is the natural resource of today or, you know, in the, the near future. And so I, I think we're going to see a lot more companies aggregating, you know, and, and I know this is kind of the antithesis of the GDPR, so, so it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. But, you know, the, putting that to the side, you got a lot of companies and I think a growing number who are aggregating lots of data and needing to, um, you know, to do novel, novel things with it. And that often says, well, we're going to move it to the cloud or, you know, we're going to move it somewhere where, you know, maybe uh, the you know, kind of traditional IT stuff isn't in place. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough problem. Uh, and by the way, going back to the story for a moment, it doesn't seem like there's been any real fallout or consequence to Exactus whatsoever. They didn't respond to any attempts for contact from Wired. Uh, as far as you know, there's no regulator involved. There's no uh, you know government probe involved. There's no fines. Just well, an I'm, oopsie. I'm sure they're... You know, so I guess we probably ought to caveat this because we we did see um, last week a misfire around the the, the Apple uh, iPhone. Um, yes. You know, so we saw we we did see misfire there. So, like, I yeah, guess they, for those who don't know, Sony came out and said they found a way around Apple's incorrect uh, pin code limitation. Right. And and it turned out that there was some engineering challenges with their test yeah yeah they put the thermometer in the wrong place it's a <laughs> cold fusion joke for anybody who's been around for a while that's right but all that being said i like that people are testing and confirming that sort of thing yeah yeah um i guess my you know point was it's it, it you know is it is it that they're not call, they're not commenting because it didn't really happen or they're not commenting because they're they're bad people or um, it, it does apparently it does say that they fixed the problem. Right. That uh, is true. Very quickly. But, you know, I, I, I'm going to guess that when they when and if they do make a comment, it'll be, well, there's no evidence that this data has been improperly used. Of course. No, no evidence. And it could very well be that their legal team and their marketing team and executives are huddling up to, yeah. you know, figure out how to handle this True. often these stories come to press far quicker than a company can respond absolutely true that that's very true and you know i would say that in a normal in a normal circumstance like you know the, everybody in the u.s gets free credit monitoring but i think the guidance here will be a little bit different i'm gonna guess they're gonna ask you to go and change the names of your first pet and, and all your hobbies and right yes and exchange children with your next door neighbor i, I mean there's you can't be too safe uh, i think you're good at that point right absolutely I, I think so yeah yeah i mean you should probably change your age too I, that happens naturally i guess anyway um so moving on to our next story um and so we we've talked about this concept a couple of times, and the, this is um, it's it comes from the Tenable blog, and so you know you gotta you gotta weigh the marketing with the you know the the meat. But um, I thought it was worth 
talking about this. The title here is "Should You Still Prioritize Exploit Kit Vulnerabilities?" And you know, there's a, um, you know, it's a it's a company blog, so there's a lot of company, you know, rah rah Tenable. And by the way, I get nothing from Tenable um, anyway. So, uh, what, for, for the record, me either. Yeah. Yeah, not, nobody does from us. But I will also say, uh, as company blogs go, I actually find value in Tenable's blog. Just unsolicited. Yeah, yeah I'm just props. Trying to make it clear that this wasn't. Right. Yeah, this wasn't prompted. No, I, I, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, we, we this was purely because we read it and thought it had some interesting info. That's it. Yeah. So, so we we talked um, a show or two ago about some uh, some data related to uh, vulnerability prioritization. You know, and, and how uh, you know, the, the the traditional way of prioritizing vulnerability remediation based on CVSS score is is really not cutting the mustard because of just the sheer number of of high and critical severity vulnerabilities, and the fact that many of them are not actually, uh, you know, many of the high severity vulnerabilities are not actually being exploited in the wild. And, and oh, by the way, some of the things that are being exploited in the wild show up lower down on the scale, like, you know, in the mediums and lows. And and so, you know, the, the kind of the, to recap the whole concept there was our our approach of using CVSS scores is really wrongheaded and we're not, you know, we're, we're not using our, our resources most efficiently. And so the point of this particular story and they go through a lot of uh, kind of excruciating detail which i thought is is very interesting and and at the end i'll just kind of go you know to the to the end first the, the conclusion is that the the prevalence of exploit kits as a threat to enterprises is on the decline and and you know they they go through a couple of reasons you know why they think that is and then some evidence of you know why they why they believe that's the case. One of the most interesting things was that, um, you know, today's exploit kits are primarily using vulnerabilities that are two, three, four, five years old. Um, and, you know, so they, they you know, basically kind of point, point out that, that, um, not, you know, on one hand, they're apparently still working, <laughs> which is right. Not because great. If, if, yeah, it's it's an immunity response, right? If it's working, I don't need to grow stronger. Right, and and then on the other, you know, we're not seeing, um, you know, we're not seeing really up to date um, you know, exploits. We're not, for instance, in the list they have here. There's nothing that is a 2018 CVE. So I, I was very surprised by this conclusion. I, I did not expect this. I. I think exploit kits are a real easy way for a larger, more diverse group of less skilled threat actors to get into doing bad things. And it seems like that would be a growing market and, and continuing to evolve market. So I don't know. I was this, this was at war with what I thought was common sense, but you know, their data is their data. Uh, I'm not, I'm not questioning their, I think their conclusions make sense on the data they present. I'm just surprised. Um, yeah. You know, so there is some, there is some amount of, of natural bias. And they actually point out a little bit of that bias. So like, you know, the data that they are collecting is coming from their customers and their customers 
are, you know, by virtue of being their customers are going to be, you know, maybe at a different level of maturity than the average company customer i you know i don't know if that's self-aggrandizing or, or what but right sure you know, point point is that maybe if you look at a different if you if you were to segment companies up in a different way you would come to a different conclusion um, but it, you know one of the one of the things they did point out is and i i have seen this um you know as a, as a real thing the you know the the move away from things like ransomware be as a threat to a workstation is you know I, I on the decline but what's on the in what's on the increase is um is mining you know cryptocurrency mining either yep. dri- drive by mining or you know implant implanting some kind of miner on a on a system but and i and i i want to make sure that i'm that's distinct and different from the, the trend that we've been seeing of threat actors installing uh, you know crypto or I'm sorry um, ransomware on infrastructure like through you know open RDP sessions and and stuff like that that's mm-hmm. you know, that's a different that's a different beast we you know we've seen lots of you know city of Atlanta and a bunch of hospitals and whatnot for the most part those appear not to be the, the vector of entry for those is apparently not a workstation. So anyways, pretty interesting um, stuff. Point is, you know, the, the whole, the whole point is to keep trying to figure out what is the most effective way to prioritize, you know, our, our limited amount of IT and IT security labor to go and address things. And, you know, and so with, with the understanding that that may change over time and rapidly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they, yeah. by the way, they pointed out that, you know, exploit kits went through a decline previously um, back when um, you know when Java fell out of vogue, and and you know so they saw a big decline then, and then you know the the exploit kit um, <laughs> manufacturers, vendors, whatever you want to, however you want to call them, you know they they started <clears throat> attacking uh, Microsoft Office tools and and uh, you know Firefox and and other things like that. Well, you know the malware industrial complex must continue on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I would, I guess I would say it may be in decline, but I really uh, don't expect exploit kits to go away, and I think they're worth keeping an eye on. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I also think knowing what's in exploit kits uh, from from a vulnerability standpoint that they're exploiting is good because you definitely want to make sure the low hanging fruit is at least nailed. Correct. Correct. And you know, you know. By the way, you can still be on the decline. That's not going to save your bacon if one of your employees right. <laughs> falls for it, right? Yeah, because we don't really have any sort of uh, order of magnitude uh, and any sort of uh, context to say how much has declined really. You know, if it's gone down 5% or 20%, but it's a huge order of magnitude to begin with, it's still a huge threat. Right, right. And, you know, I, I think that we will see, um, especially uh, especially with the the... Uh, you know, I hate giving Microsoft so much credit, but they're doing a lot of good stuff with Windows 10 <laughs> in terms of yeah. making it making it more difficult for um, for actors to get a presence on workstations. Now, I don't think we should kid ourselves. You know, this is an arms race, and um, you know they'll, they'll they'll find a way. Like sure, Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've always seen that, right? There's been cycles where. 
the OS got pretty hard to attack for a while, so the bad guys shifted against going after applications, especially browsers were big for a while, and Office is big for a while, right. uh, and still big, right? So it's there's plenty of attack surface. They're just going for whatever's most easily gone after uh, these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, interesting stuff. I, I, um, I, I've been personally pretty interested in, in trying to think about um, you know, kind of the higher order concept of, of better ways of prioritizing the stuff we all have to do in, in the area of security. And, and so that's mm-hmm. why, you know, the things like this just have a, you know, particular uh, stickiness with me. So anyway, um, moving on to the next story and, you know, I have, I'll, I'll preface this with a, you know, with a question. So what is the last thing you would expect to happen to a set of data after a nation state, you know, rated a database? What's one of the last things that you would think it would happen? Mm, it getting printed on fortune cookies. Okay, the second to last thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I, I think you're leading me to say it getting leaked to common everyday fraudsters. Yes, that's right. So mm-hmm. this one uh, comes from HelpNet Security, and the title is Fraudster Exploited U.S. Government Staff Info Stolen in 2015 OPM Breach. Now, now to be fair, I, I read the show notes, so yeah, I know. I, I, it's kind of a, this, I'm what they call a plant in, in the industry. That's right. That's right. It's one of those those po- so, so wait a podcaster minute. things. OPM breach. Yeah, that's three years ago, Jerry. Why do we care about the OPM breach now? I know, right? So and and wait, uh, wait a darn minute. We already had our year of free credit monitoring expire. <laughs> So that must mean the threat has passed. It's Im- it's impossible. So, um, so yes, we we you know if you go back several years in time, we did talk about the OPM breach at length when it happened, and you know that it was because it was a government agency. There was, you know, quite a lot of public information ab- ab- about um, you know the the breach, and it you know it's one of those things that. It, as uh, as time went on, our our understanding got better, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And you know, there were jokes about sanding off your fingerprints and lots of uh, you know lots of other silliness. But at the time, and and really since, the breach has been attributed to the Chinese. And you know, at the time, to- at the all, time, all of them, uh, every single last one. That's right. Wow. And they all had a they all had a hand the, in it. That's right. communist hacking at its finest. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm 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 having this this weird picture of you know the uh, the, the CSI cyber video with the two the, the two person keyboard. Like, imagine a billion and a half people, sure, all with the key, their hands on a keyboard. It's, yeah. a, it's a big, it's a big keyboard. Big key- yeah. Well, how else do you run the Great Firewall? I don't know. I'm completely taking off track. Go on. All right. So, so, so attributed to the Chinese. Yeah. So it was attributed to uh, to the Chinese government. Um, as a you know, as a uh, intel collection opportunity, and you know there was in the aftermath there was a lot of consternation about you know my gosh the um, you know by kind of looking at the the you know, for like, let me take it one step back for those who don't know the OPM the Office of Personal Management is 
effectively the HR department of the U.S. government. Think of it that way, right? And and they they process all sorts of things like uh, security clearances. Correct. Correct. So yeah. they they effectively do the same. I mean, they do many of the same things that a normal company's back. Um, HR department would do like background checks, but in the case of the government, some, you know, that extends to, um, you know, security clearances. And so, you know, what, for example, one of the big consternations after the breach was, um, you know, people who are, uh, you know, who, who are undercover spies wouldn't appear in the, in the set of data. And so, you know, there was, there was some concern that the average, um, you know, foreign government could, basically look at the staff that's in the US embassy and you know effectively tell which which of them was a spy just by comparing you know who's in the who's in the OPM set of data and who wasn't um, so so you know again point was all indications all assertions were that this was the work of a nation state but now like I have to kind of question um I think there's a. I mean, this is as this this story is causing a lot of a lot of questions in my mind. So there are there are now two people uh, in the U.S. who have pled guilty. I guess it's not pled; it's pleaded. Right? I I, I I'm sorry. Don't don't email me. I I I know I that, know I know I'm disappointed. I'm a disappointment. I get it. So anyway, they pleaded. Two people pleaded guilty to using the data uh, that was stolen f- through the OPM breach to commit financial fraud at the Langley Financial Credit Union by opening and, up <laughs> loans. And very, very, you know, basic financial fraud, like like straight up typical identity theft, right. small time stuff. Opening loans, opening savings accounts, opening a loan, transferring the money into the savings account, you know, clearing it out. Yeah, very, very like and they admitted they got the information from the OPM breach correct correct but we don't know how they didn't yeah. say how they got it yet right the government or the OP, the government is has not yet indicated how this sequence of events came to be i i bet they bought it on that their dark web thing oh that's probably true that's i mean it all goes to the dark web so that's i i hear you can get a quadruple scan on the dark web for your stuff Oh, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, I, I, on the one hand, I, I, I'm part of me is thinking, and, and I, I'm having this, um, you know, a princess bride moment, right? Where like, okay, <laughs> if you were a nation state and you wanted to plant doubt, right, that it was a nation state that stole it, you know, you could give some of the data to common criminals which would then indicate that, well, oh, maybe it wasn't from a nation state. But then people, they would know people like us would think that. And so I don't know what to think. So I clearly cannot choose the breach in front of you. Correct. Or, or, or the attribution. <laughs> the attribution in front of us. Right. That's right. <sighs> so a- anyway, point, it goes back to the, to the long and entire trope that we've had on the show, which is, Attribution is super complicated, and I, I fear, by the way, that it is further complicated by, um, by political agenda. Okay, so I've got a theory. The Chinese government got the data, printed it out, threw it in the dumpster, 
And then these common criminals went to China on vacation and went dumpster diving outside the government cybersecurity elite hacks or offices, got the data, came back home, and then committed identity theft. Uh, it's as, I mean, it's as reasonable a theory as any other. Right? I mean, maybe, maybe they were put into bottles and thrown into the ocean. Do we know that these common, quote-unquote, common criminals are not actually elite spies for the Chinese? We don't. We don't. I've never heard of them before. I, I've never seen this, the, the, the chairman of, of China in the same room as these people. I think we should check the OPM breach data to see if their names are on it. <laughs> I'll get right on that. I'll open my copy of the... So this is crazy, though. Like, So in all realistic sense, you know, to be serious for a moment, what this tells us is some of these lead leaks have a very, very, very long tail. Correct. And, you know, we were joking about earlier about the year of, of identity theft monitoring. Clearly, that's insufficient. I mean, in all honesty, that is insufficient uh, because you never know when this data is going to resurface and be used. Correct. And, you know, and how I, it's circulating. Right. And, I, and by the way, I'm not entirely sure that it, you know, it, it lessens the hassle, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, solve the hassle of, of having your, your credit stolen. So. Um, oh, yeah. No. I, it's, yeah. So if we're talking about the effectiveness of, of identity theft monitoring, yeah, it's low. Uh, I think you're much better off doing credit freezes and such. Though, what did they do here? They opened a bank account. Yeah. I'm not which, sure that they would have. Uh, it, yeah, and loans. So loan might have been caught by by credit freeze. Um, yeah, it's. But you know what? They would have so so. You know, again, credit freezes are run by the credit bureaus. Well, Equifax's information was all stolen, so I assume that they had access to all of that, and they probably maybe needed to figure out, you know, what was. You know, some the name of someone's first pet, and that was why they had to break into Exactus. In well, Exactus was kind enough just to put it out there; they didn't have to break in at all. Well, that that that's true. That's true. But anyway, you know, to, to be able to get through to lift the credit freeze, you know, if you have enough information, presumably a bad person sure. could do that. Right? That's true. Unless you exchange your kid with your next door neighbor, I'm telling you, you need to do this. Uh, yeah, yeah, and change the name of your first pet. And and the name of the street that you grew up in and the name of your first school. I really feel like we're not providing any value on this podcast today. No, no, I'm sorry. So. <laughs> it's late on a Wednesday. We're tired. Work's been rough. Yes, yes. So Look. anyhow, um, you know, again, trying to get back on track. Um there, there were, I would say, in the past week, there were a bunch of little, you know, little minor stories. There was a, there was a big flare-up about the, um, the piece of software called FileZilla. Mm-hmm. And if anybody who was on social media probably could not get away from that story. But, you know, files, FileZilla is a very common FTP graphical interface. And, you know, what, what struck me was... <laughs> it. The exchange that caused all the hoopla happened like in early January, and somebody like tripped over it recently. But basically, the um, FileZilla creates a, created a package that had extra offer, you know, extra software offers that when you when you install FileZilla, it would you know 
install other other crapware, I guess it was optional, right? But the uh, basically there were there were security researchers kind of arguing with the the, the maintainers of FileZilla and the the FileZilla people. I I would boil it down to didn't get you know, didn't understand why this was so concerning, and so you know that was a big that was a big hoopla. Um, another one was again, well. Let's keep in mind, there's nothing else to be upset at right now in the world. <laughs> That's very true. So. That's very true. Um, you know, well, we we had the we had the in the U.S. we had a little privacy win with uh, you know the the Supreme Court said that that um, law enforcement agencies need a warrant to um, to monitor location of cell phones. That was you know that was a win. Yeah. Yep. Um, not that I think it will materially change what actually happens, but at least at least they need a warrant, and I can feel better about that one. But when I'm going to prison, I suppose. Um, uh, let's see. The, the, you, we mentioned the 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 pin, like the the um, the Apple iPhone uh, you know, retry count. So you know, most iPhones, if you have it set up, nor, you know, normally if you on your tenth failed login it locks the phone and you, you it's basically a doorstop and could wipe it. Yeah. And yeah, correct. Yeah. You got a couple options there, but yeah, the worst is, you know, delete everything, which right. I'm pretty sure is worse than a prison sentence to some kids today. Uh, having, being the parent of two teenagers, te- two teenagers, I can absolutely say that is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, the, in the U S at least there's, there's been a lot of discussion about, um, you know that kind of the ongoing war between the Justice Department and Apple, and so this was kind of seen as you know, oh my gosh, there's a giant gaping hole, but not apparently not so much. Um, any other any other big stories you you remember? I... Oh yeah, uh, all sorts of work stories I can't tell on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, we all <laughs> we all have those. It's one of the downsides of being uh, being in blue team. Like, and in, in, if, if this were a red team podcast, we could talk about our conquests all day because that would just help people want to hire us. To that's you know, true, right? But we that's can't. why I'm forced to talk about the conquest of your mom. It's the only conquest uh, I can talk about. Oh, jeez! Come on, that was set up perfectly. Yeah, um, I'm blanking on any no, other big. I'm fine. sure there's plenty of big ones out there, uh, yeah, but fine. I am blanking. Anyway. Um, I guess we'll, we'll uh, you know, we'll, we'll end the pain there. So thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. As always, uh, about the show, they they can't all be winners, but we'll try harder next time. <laughs> That's right. By the way, I guess we can start talking about DerbyCon, right? So we're, we're, yeah, uh, I actually submitted a talk to DerbyCon. I'm waiting uh, with fingers crossed to see if it gets accepted. That would be awesome. I, will. Uh, hope, I hope so. Uh, I've never spoken at DerbyCon, so that would be cool. If not, I still plan to go. I have a ticket. So I, uh, if... Oh, go ahead. Finish. Sorry. If I do get accepted, we'll have to do something uh, with my ticket. Yeah, I was going to say, I have two extra tickets that that we... I, I think we will... Uh, we will either give away or we will raffle for um, for charity. So Wow. I know. So you and I will talk offline and, you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll have at least two and maybe three. When you say charity, you don't mean the main dancer down at the Claremont, do you? No. Okay. No. 
just just making sure i know it's good to good good to clarify but yeah anyway that's all um it's does it doesn't get any it's not going to go any better from here on out so thank you very much for listening and we will talk again real soon thanks everybody have a great week Bye -bye. bye bye